Our summaries this week contain three cases on civil procedure, one from the Arkansas Supreme Court and two from the Arkansas Court of Appeals. In Parsons v. Preferred Family Healthcare, Inc., 2023, ARC 56, the Arkansas Supreme Court reversed a dismissal order based upon Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 12b-6 in a lawsuit alleging illegal exaction. The case involved allegations of fraudulent billing. The Court of Appeals ruled that because the state received services it paid for, there was no illegal exaction of taxpayer funds. The Supreme Court saw things differently. First, the Circuit Court failed to view the motion to dismiss as one for summary judgment and did not give reasonable inferences to the non-moving party. Second, the trial court erroneously concluded there could be no illegal exaction. Justice Wynn examined this intricate case. Quote, James Parsons appeals from an order dismissing his illegal exaction complaint with prejudice under Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 12b-6 for failure to state facts upon which relief can be granted. On appeal, Parsons argues that 1. The circuit court incorrectly rendered factual findings contrary to the allegations in his complaint. And 2. The circuit court erred in finding that the facts alleged in the complaint did not constitute an illegal exaction. Our Court of Appeals affirmed the dismissal, and we granted Parsons' petition for review. We reverse and remand for further proceedings consistent with this opinion, and we vacate the Court of Appeals' opinion. Factual and Procedural History On June 1, 2020, Parsons, on behalf of himself and all other similarly situated taxpayers, filed a complaint in the Benton County Circuit Court against Preferred Family Health Care, Inc., or PFH, a Missouri corporation, DBA 1, Health Resources of Arkansas, 2, Decision Point, 3, Day Spring Behavioral Health Services, and 4, Wilbur D. Mills Treatment Center. PFH is a provider of health care services that operates mental health care facilities and other medical services in Arkansas. Parsons, a resident of Benton County, Arkansas, and taxpayer of the state of Arkansas, alleged that a public funds illegal exaction had occurred. Specifically, he alleged that a significant portion of the $52,810,672 in funds PFH received from the state of Arkansas between 2010 and 2017 were acquired using unlawful means and were utilized in a manner other than that represented by PFH. He alleged that PFH had engaged in a fraudulent scheme to illegally bill the state's Medicaid program, which is a payor of last resort for services and pays at a higher rate than Medicare. Parsons attached and incorporated an affidavit of probable cause for the arrest warrant of Helen M. Balding, PFH's billing director. The affidavit describes how Balding manipulated billing by entering false claims that were paid through Medicaid rather than Medicare. The fraudulent billing practices, including PFH billing for services provided by employees who were not qualified to bill Medicare for the services. Parsons also alleged that PFH had bribed, sometimes through kickbacks from General Improvement Fund, or GIF, grants, 
Arkansas legislators to conceal its fraudulent acts and to obtain taxpayer funds to which it would not otherwise be entitled. Parsons also attached and incorporated the superseding indictment in United States of America versus Bontier Bernadette Goss, Tommy Ray Goss, and Jeremy Young Hutchinson, case number 19-03048, Western District of Missouri, and a plea agreement in United States of America versus Milton Russell Cranford, case number 18-03020-01, CRSBCW, Western District of Missouri, in which Cranford, a registered lobbyist, pled guilty to federal program bribery. Parsons alleged that the actions of PFH, in concert with Arkansas legislators acting in their official capacities, constituted an illegal exaction of Arkansas taxpayer funds. He sought judgment against PFH in the amount of the misused public funds acquired by PFH to be restored to the Arkansas State Treasury, plus a reasonable attorney's fee from all sums recovered. In response to the complaint, PFH filed a motion to dismiss under Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 12b-6 for failure to state a claim on which relief can be granted. PFH argued that Parsons' complaint failed to state an illegal exaction claim, reasoning that it did not assert any wrongdoing on the state's part because it did not allege that any state expenditure was illegal, misapplied, or arbitrary. PFH relied on Bowerman v. Takeda Pharmaceuticals USA, 2014 ARC 388, in which this court answered questions certified by a federal court and held that no illegal exaction claim had been stated in that products liability and unfair trade practices case, which was based on the payment of state funds for an allegedly defective prescription drug. PFH argued further that to the extent that Parsons sought a refund of payments made under Medicare or Medicaid, the right and obligation to audit, review, and if necessary, seek such funds rests solely within the Arkansas Attorney General's purview pursuant to the Medicaid Fraud False Claims Act, see ARC Code and Sections 2077-901 at SEC. It further argued that a public funds illegal exaction case against private entities and individuals to seek a refund of payments made under Medicare or Medicaid is viable only if the AG or the Medicaid Inspector General fails to pursue civil and administrative enforcement actions. PFH argued that, in the instant case, the AG had discharged her statutory duties and entered into settlement agreements with PFH. Attached to the motion were two exhibits. One, a settlement agreement between the state of Arkansas and PFH resolving any potential civil or criminal claims against PFH being handled by the Medicare Fraud Control Unit, and two, a settlement agreement between the United States of America, the state of Arkansas, Arkansas Medicaid Program, PFH, and the relator who brought suit pursuant to the key town provisions of the False Claim Act, 31 U.S.C. Sections 3729 at SEC, in United States of America, X. Rel. Francis Smith, versus Preferred Family Health Care in the United States District Court for the Eastern District of Arkansas. Parsons responded to the motion by arguing that, one, 
It was premature in that attaching exhibits had converted the motion to one for summary judgment as a matter of law, and Parsons had not had the opportunity to conduct discovery. Two, an illegal exaction occurs when the state does not receive what is due. Three, the complaint sufficiently alleges state action. And four, the Attorney General's settlement is not a ground for dismissal. The Circuit Court held a hearing and subsequently entered an order of dismissal with prejudice as Parsons had filed a previous action attempting to assert a public funds illegal exaction claim against the same defendants that were also dismissed pursuant to Rule 12b-6. End of quote. Failure to consider the 12b-6 motion as one for summary judgment. The Supreme Court observed that exhibits were attached to the motion to dismiss, and since the trial court did not state whether it considered them, the motion should have been treated as one for summary judgment under procedural rules 12 and 56. Quote, In the case at bar, Parsons argues in his first point on appeal that the circuit court incorrectly rendered factual findings contrary to the allegations in the complaint. Parsons points to the following factual findings in the court's order. Services were of the grade and the quantity bargained for. The state received what it bargained for. And the GIF process was followed correctly. There's no question that the appropriation was appropriate. We agree that these findings were improper at this stage of the proceedings because the circuit court failed to view the evidence in the light most favorable to Parsons, the non-moving party. It is axiomatic that summary judgment should only be granted when it is clear that there are no genuine issues of material fact to be litigated and the moving party is entitled to judgment as a matter of law. End of quote. Whether an illegal exaction claim was stated. The applicable law for illegal exaction in light of presidential cases came next. Quote, a taxpayer's authority to file an illegal exaction action is found in Article 16, Section 13 of the Arkansas Constitution, which provides, Any citizen of any county, city, or town may institute suit in behalf of himself and all others interested to protect the inhabitants thereof against the enforcement of any illegal exactions whatever. An illegal exaction is defined as any exaction that either is not authorized by law or is contrary to law. In a public funds illegal exaction case, such as the one before us, the plaintiff contends that public funds generated from tax dollars are being misapplied or illegally spent. Although the Constitution speaks in terms of any county, city, or town, this court has long construed Article 16, Section 13, to allow suit for statewide illegal exactions. End of quote. While the trial court reasoned no illegal exaction claim was stated because Arkansas received what it bargained for and did not act wrongly, this is a too narrow reading of the cases. Quote, a plaintiff is not required to allege wrongful state action in every case in order to state a claim for a public funds illegal exaction. At this point in the present case, Issues of material fact remain. Accordingly, we reverse and remand for further proceedings consistent with this opinion. Because we reverse for the reasons stated above, 
we need not address Parsons' argument that the circuit court mistakenly concluded the complaint did not allege wrongful state action. End of quote. Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 12b, as added by this reviewer, states, If on a motion asserting the defense numbered 6 to dismiss for failure of the pleading to state a claim upon which relief can be granted, matters outside the pleadings are presented to and not excluded by the court, the motion shall be treated as one for summary judgment and disposed of as provided in Rule 56, and all parties shall be given reasonable opportunity to present all material made pertinent to such a motion by Rule 56. End of quote. End of decision. In Halon 5 LLC v. Terminella, 2023, ARC App 193, the Arkansas Court of Appeals, in reversing a dismissal order, reasoned that when the trial court considered matters outside the pleadings, it converted the motion under Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 12b-6 to one for summary judgment and should have given parties an opportunity to respond before ruling. Judge Thayer explained, quote, When considering a Rule 12b-6 motion, the circuit court does not consider matters outside the four corners of the complaint, and all the allegations in the complaint are to be taken as true. Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 12b-6 also requires that if matters outside the complaint are presented to and not excluded by the court, the motion shall be treated as one for summary judgment and disposed of as provided in Rule 56, and all parties shall be given reasonable opportunity to present all material made pertinent to such a motion by Rule 56. Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 12b-6. Further, when a party presents material outside the complaint and the circuit court does not specifically exclude it, then this court considers the material to have influenced the circuit court's decision. Morgan v. Turner, 2010, Art 245. Here, the mine appellees filed a verified answer to the complaint on November 13, 2020. This verified answer was not a simple list of which facts as stated in the complaint were denied and which were admitted, along with a recitation of affirmative defenses. The verified answer also included facts that were not pled in the complaint or later in the first amended complaint. The verified answer stated that 100% of the mine appellee's interests were sold to Mitchell Massey on or about October 1, 2020 in a good faith, arm's length transaction for value, which cuts off any rights plaintiff may have to recover from mine appellee's any money to satisfy plaintiff's judgment against Tom. Counsel for the Mine Appellees referenced this new factual allegation at least six times in the Mine Appellees' combined motion to dismiss plaintiff's first amended complaint and brief in support. Indeed, counsel for the Mine Appellees referenced the allegation from the verified answer as grounds for this court to affirm the circuit court's order. The circuit court stated in its order that it decided its ruling from the pleadings. An answer is a pleading. Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 7a. The mine appellees clearly asked both the circuit court and this court to consider matters outside the first amended complaint. Because the mine appellees presented facts outside the first amended complaint and encouraged the circuit court to consider those facts, and because the circuit court specified that it had relied on the pleadings, which would include the verified answer, 
the motion to dismiss was converted to a motion for summary judgment. See Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 12b-6. Rule 12b-6 states that when a motion to dismiss is treated as a motion for summary judgment, all parties shall be given reasonable opportunity to present all material made pertinent to such a motion by Rule 56, Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 12b-6. If the party moving for summary judgment makes a prima facie showing that it is entitled to judgment as a matter of law, then the non-moving party has the opportunity to meet proof with proof by showing a material issue of fact. Robinson v. Quail Rivers Properties, LLC, 2022, ARC App 409. Here, there was no hearing on the motion, nor was there any notice given to the parties that the circuit court was converting the Rule 12b-6 motion to a motion for summary judgment. Failing to provide such notice or an opportunity to present all material made pertinent by Rule 56 is reversible when it is manifest that the error was prejudicial. The circuit court dismissed the first amended complaint before the appellant had the opportunity to conduct discovery and gather any documents or other evidence it could use in an attempt to refute the new factual allegations made in the verified answer. Under these circumstances, it is manifest that the circuit court's error was prejudicial. End of quote. End of decision. In S&J Construction Company, Inc. v. Engineering Services, Inc., 2023, ARC App 194, the Arkansas Court of Appeals ruled that a trial court retained an ability to alter its previous orders under Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 54B2, notwithstanding passage of 90 days and provisions in Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 60 because there was no final order. This interlocutory appeal arose following a Rule 54B certification. In reversing and remanding, the opinion discussed the competing procedural rules. Judge Wood wrote, quote, Appellants S&J Construction Company, Inc., appeals an interlocutory order in which the Newton County Circuit Court denied S&J's motion to amend a summary judgment order that inadvertently dismissed S&J's claims against Appley Engineering Services, Inc., or ESI. The Circuit Court denied S&J's motion, stating it did not have the authority to amend the order. We reverse and remand. In March 2018, ESI filed a motion for summary judgment alleging that Ozark's claims against ESI were barred by the statute of limitations. On February 21, 2019, the Circuit Court issued a letter opinion finding that S&J had not named ESI as a party defendant in the case. The Court also granted ESI's motion for summary judgment, stating that from the Court's point of view, the only issue as to ESI's liability comes from Ozark's cross-claim in January 2018 against ESI. The court finds that ESI should be dismissed from the lawsuit based on the effective statute of limitation using ARC Code N Section 1656-105. The circuit court directed ESI to draft the order. ESI's proposed summary judgment order stated that S&J did not sue ESI, the statute of limitations barred Ozark's cause of action against ESI, and ESI was dismissed from the lawsuit. 
The proposed order further stated that the court retains jurisdiction to determine the other claims and counterclaims pending in this action between S&J and Ozark. Upon receipt of the proposed order, counsel for S&J on March 1, 2019, notified the circuit court of the material mistake in its letter opinion in finding that S&J had not filed suit against ESI. S&J pointed out that its amended complaint named ESI as a party defendant and that the circuit court's letter opinion appears to be based upon a mistaken premise that S&J had not sued ESI, when in truth and fact it had sued ESI over one year previously. S&J requested that the circuit court revisit the issue and further stated that the proposed order submitted by ESI was inaccurate and should not be entered. Nevertheless, on March 3, 2019, the circuit court entered ESI's proposed order granting summary judgment in favor of ESI that included the incorrect finding that S&J did not sue ESI. On March 8, the circuit court issued another letter opinion admitting with embarrassment its mistake in stating that S&J did not sue ESI. After acknowledging its error, the court directed ESI to prepare an amended summary judgment order removing the finding that S&J had not sued ESI. ESI did not prepare the amended summary judgment order as instructed by the court. After a hearing on S&J's and ESI's motions, the circuit court issued a letter opinion on November 13, stating that it wished to correct the March 2019 order, but was precluded by Rule 60A of the Arkansas Rules of Civil Procedure from amending it because more than 90 days had elapsed since the order was entered. The court further found that Rule 60B did not apply because its mistake was not a clerical error. The court again acknowledged that an amended order should have been entered, but regrettably was not, and it was too late for the court to make substantive changes to the March 2019 summary judgment order. Thereafter, the court entered an order on December 9, finding that it lacked authority to correct its March 2019 summary judgment order dismissing ESI, which the court admitted it probably should not have done. The court found that Rule 60 did not give it authority to amend the March 2019 order. Finally, the court certified its December 2019 order, stating, without entry of an Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 54B certificate, S&J will be precluded from appealing the March 3, 2019 order until the end of the case. The December 2019 order did not address or rule on ESI's motion for summary judgment. This appeal followed. End of quote. The Court of Appeals concluded that between the provisions of Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 60 and 54B, the Circuit Court had jurisdiction to modify its order because it was not final, in view of other parties and claims remaining, and because of the precise language in the latter rule. Prior to final judgment, a Circuit Court is at liberty to reconsider its previous non-final rulings and decisions. In the case at Barr, the March 2019 summary judgment order is not a final order because it did not dispose of the claims between S&J and Ozark. The March 2019 order specifically states that the court retains jurisdiction to determine the other claims and counterclaims pending in this action between S&J and Ozark. An order granting summary judgment is not a final order 
when it does not dispose of all the claims of all the parties. This is precisely the reason why Rule 54B certificate was included in the December 2019 order. The parties on appeal agree that the March 2019 order is not a final order. Moreover, the parties on appeal agree that under Rule 54B-2, the Circuit Court was free to reconsider its March 2019 order because it was not final. Despite conceding that the Circuit Court had the authority to reconsider the March 2019 order, ESI argues that this court should nevertheless affirm the December 2019 order because the record reveals that S&J has no claims pending against ESI as a result of a previously reached settlement between the parties and because S&J's claims for contribution or indemnity against ESI are barred by the statute of limitations. ESI raised these arguments in its motion for summary judgment against S&J. However, the circuit court did not rule on that motion or make any findings relating to these two arguments. Arkansas appellate courts have repeatedly held that a party's failure to obtain a ruling is a procedural bar to this court's consideration of the issue on appeal. End of quote. Arkansas Rule of Civil Procedure 54B2 states, Absent the ex- executed certificate required by paragraph 1 of this subdivision, any judgment, order, or other form of decision, however designated, which adjudicates fewer than all the claims or the rights and liabilities of fewer than all the parties, shall not terminate the action as to any of the claims or parties, and the judgment, order, or other form of decision is subject to revision at any time before the entry of judgment adjudicating all the claims and the rights and liabilities of all of the parties. End of quote. End of decision.